Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. I really do credit growing up here with a, a, a kind of an, a, a, a special connection with nature, and I think that has in some ways fed my connection to the horse. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place perspective but always Appalachian and don't forget Will tonight's episode is powered by SOAR shaping our Appalachian region if you're a entrepreneur out there especially in eastern Kentucky check them out Appalachian meets world we're back what where have we been Will it has been a wild ride I know, I know, right? I'm sure you've gotten as many phone calls as I have uh, about the lost episodes. Phone calls, emails, texts. I mean, I appreciate being loved, I guess, but uh, things happen sometimes. Do you you want to tell our listeners what the the absence uh, was due to? Well, there was a little sickness in the Appalachian Meets World family. The COVID caught up, too. <laughs> the vid had my had my man down, down and out for hard. a week. I think you underestimated the vid, didn't you? I definitely did. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> did. I'm not complaining, but I did. I definitely underestimated it. Uh, it seems like forever since we've spoken. I know, man. I, I we texted a little bit while you were sick, and I, I just didn't call because I knew you. I mean, I can't remember a time in my life, and you're old, a time in our life that you've ever been to the point where, like, just don't even want to talk. Like, I mean, you were down, dude. I felt bad. I was, I was definitely – I definitely was down and out. But um, we're back, and that's all that matters at this point, right? That's right. That's right, man. Recovery. Every, everything's <laughs> happened over the last couple of weeks. I mean, oh the, whole, the whole world's on fire. I know. Tell me about it. Like, I mean, just literally on fire. That's awful. What happened in Maui? You know, we, we just had the one year anniversary of the floods in eastern Kentucky that devastated mm-hmm. that. And then the Maui fire like that. That's crazy. Wild times, man. Have you been to Maui? I have. The, the town that caught on fire, La, La Hana. That's that's where I lost my tooth. Oh, yeah. Got my that's tooth right. fixed. In Lahana, and I've been to the banyan tree that burnt down. You've been mm-hmm. there too. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's so just sad. A terrible, terrible, sad views of of everything. I mean, it's just a, it's devastating to to that area. I don't know. I don't even want to talk about recovery because I mean, it seems to be continuing on. Like, what's the what's the latest? Death toll keeps going up, and 
I, yeah, I still don't think they have the fires out, and it's just ashes. We're so blessed here in Appalachia with natural beauty, and, uh, you know, they are in that part of the world as well, but it, it's definitely being scorched at the moment. So our hearts go out to those people over there just trying to survive at this point. Uh, how about Appalachian news, Will? I mean, you talk about hadn't talked in a while. I mean, things things keep rolling along in Appalachia. Yeah, I got a little bit of Appalachian news. If you want to want to hear it, since I don't know if we have a long enough time for all the news that's happened. I mean, did you did you shorten this segment down? I did. We'll just keep it short because we got a really good episode with a really good guest tonight. I want to talk about that as well. But I just just saw an article. Uh, Barbara Kingsbury, Kingsolver, you know who wrote Demon Copperfield. Well, anyway, she had an article in, I think, the New York Times, Read Your Way Through Appalachia. We'll post it in the show notes. It's really cool. It has a lot of uh, writers, authors from Appalachia, her, some of her favorites. But really, it it nails uh, reading through Appalachia, and you can take the recommendations that she has. Just check that out. Also, I wanted to talk about Appalachia Reimagined put out this farm bill toolkit. You know, they're in the process of trying to pass the farm bill. The toolkit is for farmer's markets, and it kind of explains what's in the bill and what can happen for farmer's market. I wanted to mention that because last week had we had an episode was National Farmer's Market Week. We just came out of it. I think it was the 6th through the 12th. But I just wanted to mention that real quick because of the Farm Bill Toolkit that we'll post in the show notes as well. ARC gave out a grant recently, 623000 to ready nonprofits, 25 nonprofits throughout Appalachia in this second round of funding. Funding Also want to mention their September conference that's, that's coming up. There's actually a wait list. If you, if you want to go, you can get on the wait list. I think the tickets are sold out. Yeah, that's September 11th and 12th. So try to get on the wait list. It's uh, it's got a full house, which is pretty cool for that conference. I also wanted to mention that this week, this past week, uh, was the, I think, the theatrical release of King Cole. We've mentioned Elaine McMillian Sheldon many times on this show. When we interviewed her the first time, she was creating King Cole. It's been out for a while. It's already won some awards, but had its theatrical release and it's going to be shown throughout the uh, country in select, uh, especially throughout Appalachia and select theaters. Go, go check that out. It's King Cole. Uh, not, not to go backwards, Will, but you mentioned that ARC conference and, and that's in Ashland, Kentucky. So don't forget, I know we've mentioned that, but just to reiterate it. Very good point. Also one last item I wanted to mention. Actually, I have a, have a couple. The USDA put out these pocket guides for funding the Inflation Reduction Act on how what you how how you can utilize some of this funding. Two pocket guides. One is for organizations are looking for funding for potential uses, and the other is by applicant type. So we'll put that in the show note. USDA has partnered with the Department of Energy, Department of Treasury, the EPA, the EDA to put out these pocket guides. If you're looking for funding, especially in regards to the Inflation Reduction Act, definitely check it out. The last thing I wanted to mention, we mentioned the one-year anniversary. We were not on when the actual one-year anniversary took place in, at the end of July, but I wanted to mention that because 
the Christian Appalachian Project and the Appalachian Service Project to commemorate that one year, you got a $250,000 grant. They're going to build two, 10 new homes in Floyd and Knott counties. Those are two awesome organizations throughout Appalachia, especially Central Appalachia, doing some great work. And I just wanted to mention that with the one-year anniversary of the flooding that, that took place in Eastern Kentucky. Lots of good stuff there. Lots of good stuff. So even better stuff is the guest that we're having on tonight. Exactly where I was going with that. Um, you, you talk about Appalachia and just this part of the world and, you know, especially where we're from, you, you dive in to what, what does everybody think about when they think about Kentucky, you know, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? We always ask our guests, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say Appalachia? But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say Kentucky, Will? Can we answer that? There, there are three things that come to mind. But almost in my mind, the first thing may be bourbon, definitely horses, and definitely basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Depending on who you are, the order varies. But I think most Kentuckians would answer that question almost identically. It's bourbon basketball and what are tonight's guests she would definitely go with horses at the top i think i think i don't know maybe i'll ask for sure you want to tell our listeners who it is on tonight's episode we're having jamie corn who is near and dear to 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 will and i because of where she's from uh being a uh long time bell countyan you know, we, we really want to have her on because of that, uh, number one, but also to talk about her her fame, Will. I mean, her artistic abilities are like none that I've ever encountered. I can tell you that. The way she brings horses to life is just absolutely incredible, and I can't wait to talk to her about it. Yeah, I have really been looking forward to this interview uh, with Jamie and her incredible, like like you said, just incredible work. If you haven't checked it out, we'll 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 have the interview. We'll we'll give her website, but definitely check out some of her work after we after we end this interview. But I'm excited to get into it. Excited to talk to Jamie. Talk to her creative ability. She truly is a rock star in the equine art world. I hope someday that I can afford a piece of Jamie Corm's art. Maybe as a cheap plug, she'll like send me a postcard or something. But uh, I, I, I want to get into the interview. podcast today we have a special guest jamie corham she is first and foremost a proud kentuckian and an equine artist residing in eastern kentucky growing up she spent most of her time either riding or drawing horses this fascination or really obsession led to an art degree from bellarmine university and an mfa from the university of kentucky she continued as a college professor teaching art while fine-tuning her own exquisite artwork. 
She now paints full-time from her home in Eastern Kentucky and continues to emerge into the international sporting art marketplace. Collectors of her work span across U.S., Canada, and the U.K. and can be seen on display at some of the most prestigious sporting art galleries in the world. Her work has been featured in multiple publications and programs and commissioned by connection of some of the most accomplished equine athletes of our time. While a lot of her horses she has painted are rock stars of their sport, Jamie has become a true international rock star among the sporting art world, and we are honored and appreciative of her time today. So, Jamie, thanks for being on the show. Wow. Wow, you made me sound really, really fancy. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. This is very cool. Thanks for having me on Appalachia Meets World. <laughs> we wanted to ask you a question uh, that we ask everyone, like most Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition. Our family, we're big on tradition as well. And one of those traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. We have this big, gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the meal. So we wanted to ask you, Jamie, do you have a favorite appetizer, just holiday dish? Family Thanksgiving uh, is, yeah, definitely food-centered, you know, of course, kind of everywhere but I think especially here in the mountains we just know how to do Thanksgiving I think of maybe like my favorite appetizers I don't know I feel like the whole meal is surrounded by side dishes and of course I love the mashed potatoes and like a seven bean salad or something like that like kind of a country bean salad oh yeah um one of my favorite Thanksgiving meals that I ever had, and this is like a very, like a kind of when I was done with college and I was coming back and, you know, really starting to kind of just come back and appreciate my, my mountain roots. And we had venison as we had a really delicious venison roast. So that will always stand out as one of the most delicious Thanksgiving meals. And it was just special. It was just like, the family was there and everybody was just so happy and you could smell the wood smoke of the fire. And, you know, it was just like some kind of Norman Rockwell thing going on there. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, nostalgia. Yes. Total nostalgia. So yeah, I guess like I'm a huge, like mashed potatoes. Oh, but like the dressing, gosh, like a good, a good country <laughs> dressing. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So I like all the food. Now that we have that question out of the way, we, we'll just jump right in. You know, you know, we started the podcast. We really like to what we refer to as gas up Appalachia. We like to yes. really celebrate Appalachia, celebrate the diversity and the people and the experiences in the region. And we wanted to talk about your artwork. Obviously, that's why we have you on the show. But first, we, you know, I mentioned you live in eastern Kentucky. But mm -hmm. and you were you were born there or, or spent some of your early childhood there, but you moved to Louisville in your teens. Yeah. What brought you back to the mountains? Um, Neil and I say there's always magic in the mountains. They tend to pull you back. What brought you back uh, to the place you now call home? Right. Um, I would have to agree with you on the magic kind of that magnetic pull uh, that so many of us feel that leave, you know, we might leave here to go to school or, you know, go chase a career somewhere. But I know so many people who say they, they move back 
because they just feel the pull to come back. And um, I do think that it has, you know, the mountains, Bell County, this farm that I live in, uh, live on has a storybook like quality. Like it, it, it has a, a sense of place that um, I really never felt in Louisville or Lexington, sorry, Louisville, but you know, I just never, I never felt like I was home there. I'm sure some of that had to do with the fact that I did grow up here and I, you know, was raised on this culture and that always made me a little different and kind of a little bit of an outsider in Louisville, not in a bad way. Actually, I feel like having those two like cultural influences was really good for me and like allowed me to see things from a different perspective. But, you know, I, I remember reading Walden Pond by Thoreau in high school and just thinking, wow, that's like kind of how I grew up. Like that's really, you know, it made me think of it as special. And I started to just, you know, desire this, this lifestyle, you know, the quiet, the nature, I think a different viewpoint on life in a way. There's just a, a, an interesting culture down here that is very attractive to me. And I'll just tell you, I moved back. I actually spent a year between college and grad school here on the farm, actually before my family had moved back. And uh, they were still in Louisville, but I was here. And I spent kind of a gap year between college and grad school here on the farm. That was like, the most amazing year of my life. I, I just had such a cool experience being, you know, here kind of by myself. My dad would come back on occasion, but uh, I had a horse here on the farm and I had a dog and I, I walked the trails every day and I just felt so connected to this land. That really kind of clinched it. Like I was like, okay, this is, this is my place, you know? And I, I felt like I sort of became who I am, like that really formed me in so many ways. That year really showed me kind of who I was or who I wanted to be. I did finally move back in 2018 officially. And I, you know, I love that I can be here and with the internet, be totally connected to any place in the world. It used to be a problem where you could, you were down here and you weren't exactly able to connect to the outside world as easily. Right. Uh, and I have a lot of connections in Louisville and you know other places that are big horse centers. And But now it's like they're just accessible and I can be right here in my little cozy you know, farm. <laughs> I love that answer. And the fact that you spoke about perspective, you know, perspective is, is, is almost everything in regards to place. You know, I briefly mentioned in your bio, how did your love for horses really start and your passion for art? Oh, well, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't know why I love horses so much, but I always have. And I was just one of those girls that, uh, you know, as early as I can remember, uh, wanted to have a horse, wanted to be on a horse, you know, was begging my parents for a horse and, and you know, the, the classic girl who wants a horse story. When I was down here in the mountains, I really didn't have a chance to ride much. Um, a couple of neighbors' horses, but, you know, there wasn't like a real riding program that I could be involved in. 
my parents weren't horse people. So they were like, no, we can't have a horse. We don't know how to, you know, stable a horse. So I actually, you know, because I couldn't have the horse, which has actually turned out to be a good thing uh, at that time, I started drawing them as a kid. You know, I just actually started kind of drawing the horse very, you know, kind of obsessively just working on improving my little drawing skills and accessing this this horse creature that I wanted so much through drawing it. So I think in a way that horses, like the love of the horse actually brought me to art because, you know, I had probably some talent for art, but I may never have found it. You know, it's maybe one of those things that I never pursued if I hadn't started drawing the horse. So I, I really kind of credit that, you know, obsessive love of the horse as a kid to uh, for bringing me to, to this art world that I now love and combine with my love of the horse. So it was a strange little connection there. <laughs> so when we moved to Louisville at age 11, I kind of said, you know, I didn't really want to leave Bell County. I, I was happy here. And but I said, well, I'll move to Louisville on one condition. And that is that I get to ride horses, you know, and luckily my aunt, my mom's sister is a big horse person. And she grew up in Louisville and recommended an excellent stable in uh, Prospect, which is right outside of Louisville called Spring Run Farm. Lucky for me, I got to start taking lessons there when I was 11. And I'm telling you what, that just was such a perfect place it was a really good stable i learned how to how to ride i learned how to care for a horse you know i went through all the the pony club programs and stuff to kind of become educated in horsemanship and um and so yeah the culture of the horse being around the horse uh at that age then like fed the ability to to like actually draw the horse and paint the horse better. And it like, you know, kept the horse in my immediate life. Like I was very passionate about it, was, you know, riding and showing as a teenager, bought a horse. Actually, I didn't actually own a horse until I was a bit older. I always, uh, what you call lease horses, which is yeah. kind of odd, but uh, finally bought a horse. And uh, in 20 or 2003, and when I bought Sandy, he was, he was my first actual horse that I ever owned. I kind of committed to pursuing equine art as a little bit more of a, of a career because at that time I was teaching in, in college at Bellarmine, but I was part-time, I was teaching part-time and I, <laughs> I wasn't making a ton of money. You know, horses are expensive. And I said, well, I'm going to have to find a way to support my expensive horse habit. So I really kind of committed to doing more commissions and painting the horse exclusively and really trying to pursue the equine art as a career. And, and you know, that it really worked. It took off because of the fact that I was there at a horse barn and many of my friends would ask me to paint their horses. So I got lots of just hands-on experience of, of, you know, painting horses that I knew from life. Uh, I knew the culture and 
I don't think I could have, you know, gone forward as an equine artist, a horse, a horse painter, if I hadn't had all that experience hands on, you know. Well, so I wanted to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you've painted some of the most legendary horses of our time. For anyone that knows just even a little bit about horses, or even if they know a little bit about the Derby, uh, they'll understand this. But two of my favorite pieces of yours are justify the head study maybe uh -huh. just because i really like justify but i really like that piece and also i have such dreams um oh, yeah. That, yeah. that portrait in it the horse almost looks like it's a little bit scared a little bit nervous but also confident in what might it what it might become if that mm -hmm. makes sense that, you, seem yeah. to able, you seem to be able to capture the true spirit of each horse in your work, almost like you're you're painting their soul. It's it's pretty obviously impressive. But how do you go into painting a piece? And do you think uh, you, you mentioned this that your writing experience really factors into this? Well, thank you for that. You kind of I want to do like that is exactly my goal when I paint the horse is to you know because I feel such a strong connection with the animal. I mean, I really do. Like I feel like horses are just they're they're different if you spend time around them you'll kind of start to they'll show you their personality they'll show you their soul I mean I, I feel like I do like I really have kind of a connection with with the horse and I think it's partly just because I really look for it and I really like I am personally very interested in that you know like some people just might see their surface and see how pretty they are but like, I really want to know how the horse feels, what his personality is. Like, you know, you can tell those things if you're very observant and, and kind of know horse language, you know, but I, I appreciate that you like the justify study. That is also, or the head study. That's also one of my favorites. And he says, he's such a gorgeous animal, you know, and, and of course, triple crown winner 2018. And the, the other piece that you mentioned, I have such dreams. I mean, you nailed it. That's exactly what I was going for was that oh, wow. this is a young, probably a two-year-old at the sales. This is what I imagined was he was at the sales at Keeneland and, you know, being auctioned off in this ring and they come out there. You Have you been to the sales? I mean, I know where they are, but yeah. I've never been to the actual sale. No, I, yeah, I it's, it's kind of a cool experience if you, if you ever want to check it out, it's just right there on, on the grounds at Keeneland in the sales mm -hmm. pavilion. And, you know, they bring out these gorgeous, you know, sparkling two-year-olds or, you know, sometimes older or younger, but a lot of times it's the two-year-old sales that are the most um, stunning because they're just these creatures that are, they're glowing from grooming and they're in perfect condition. They look like, you know, walking gold and and they are you know they're kind of priceless some of them go for like just enormous amounts of money as you know but um that was kind of what i was going for with with the uh i have such dreams like they come out and everyone sees this horse as full of potential but what does the horse feel you know what is the horse feeling or thinking in that moment and i do believe that you know many thoroughbreds and I do paint a lot of thoroughbreds. That's probably my main, you know, culture, horse culture and breed that I, I paint. I feel like they are 
bred and born to run and they they know that <laughs> there's like a almost like a sense of of their special quality that they are meant to be something extraordinary on the racetrack you know and that, yeah. that's me romanticizing it of course because i tend to do that but um but yeah that's exactly what i was going for that's so. awesome you can see it or i i, I can see it in the piece it, it's, it's such a beautiful piece do you ever this might be a weird question but you know people talk about meeting rock stars but you do a lot of meeting do you ever get nervous meeting the horses that you've drawn oh yes totally <laughs> i feel like i'm meeting rock stars yeah like if i get to have an audience i call it an audience with you know justify or american pharaoh or zenyatta or you know gosh authentic or you know some of these great great you know derby winners or just breeders cup winners or rock stars of the thoroughbred world i totally get like a little kid who's meeting some their favorite actor or whatever i'm totally like that yes <laughs> I mean, they're legends and, oh and they're legends and like if you've ever been to cool like coolmore farm or um Windstar or Lane's End Farm. I mean, wow, they they live like royalty. The the barns are finer than any home that I've ever lived in, <laughs> you know. And they're they're brought out to you in perfect condition. They've been groomed and they they look. I mean, they're a showpiece, you know. They come out and they're handled so carefully, and you can just tell that these horses are worth millions of dollars and the horse knows that too like you can just sort of see it in their eyes that especially that caliber of thoroughbred they know their worth and they kind of they kind of look at you with this eye <laughs> that awesome. sometimes you're like oh you know you can see right through <laughs> me justify you know <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique experience going to their their uh their home place and on their turf you know that, that's very cool you, you know you're dropping all these names and in the beginning you said i made you sound fancy well there's a reason i made you sound fancy because you've been you've been to all these places and met all these amazing people and horses but uh you know i, I wanted to ask you sometimes artists you know they're their own biggest critics art can be subjective but how have you become more confident in your own work over time has it been practice or was there this aha moment where you just <laughs> knew what you were producing was exceptional works of art oh well that's a very good question and i'll have to sort of think through this um probably it was practice most of all like i always believe in the the ten thousand hours of practice rule if you've heard of that one where that some, I forget what book it is, maybe like the Tao of tennis or something like that, but it, it's supposed to like, if you practice any thing and practice it well for 10,000 hours, you should become a master at that thing. I just think it's sheer time spent doing this thing. And I've, I feel so lucky that I have been able to do that. And many people, you know, wouldn't have been able to maybe pursue that because they had to make more money at a certain time in their life. But, you know, I had a very supportive family. Thank the Lord. <laughs> you know, they, they supported me in those times when I was kind of a starving artist and really helped me through that. And 
I was able to, you know, not have to teach full time. I could keep that part time position, and on, you know, with the other, you know, time I could pursue this this craft that I really was passionate about. But yeah, it took a while, and I did not feel. I mean, I, I knew that I had some talent at it, and people told me that, but I I really did not feel that I was very good at it until just recently. I think I've started to really kind of say, okay, all right, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Now I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not finished with my artist growth. I mean, you can't ever be. And I think right. that's good that I, I'm never satisfied with my work. Zenyatta put you on the map. Oh, Zenyatta. Yes. Yes. Okay. So two horses that put me on the map are Secretariat and Zenyatta. And I got to be involved with uh, Secretariat's connections pretty early on in my equine art career. And that, that made a huge difference for just, yes, give, getting me in front of some of those really big racehorse people and also, yeah, boosting my confidence just to say, hey, you can, you know, run with the, with the big dogs here, you know. And um, yes, and imagine this. I love, I, love, <laughs> I love the contrast of this, you know, kind of little Kentucky girl who grew up in Bell County and, you know, still kind of has that country girl mindset uh, being tossed into the world of you know, pretty high level thoroughbred racing, going to Saratoga. Uh, this was in like 2006 or seven, I think I got to go to Saratoga and um, sign prints uh, that I had done of, of Secretariat and Barbaro with then Penny Chenery, Secretariat's owner was still alive. And so I got to sign prints with her and Ron Turcott, his jockey, and Charlie Davis, Davis, his groom, and like it was like the whole Secretariat team, and then the owners of Barbaro, Roy and Gretchen Jackson were there. If you recall, he had recently won the Derby, but then if you recall, he broke down in the yeah. Preakness, and there was a a fundraiser that I was a part of. My artwork was used as a, a fundraising effort to you know, find out more about laminitis, which was ultimately the thing that um, took Barbaro's life and Secretariat's life. They were, were both um, victims of this pretty awful disease of the hoof, which, you know, it's, it's a complicated thing, but they've actually made a ton of progress on that. And, and I think Barbaro had a lot to do with it because he brought it into the collective consciousness there. But anyway, back to the you know, getting in with the thoroughbred elites, you know, the other one was Zenyatta, as you say, and she's, wow, one of my favorite racehorses. I mean, Secretariat's probably my favorite male racehorse, and then Zenyatta, my favorite female racehorse, and it's like, she's just such a cool story. If you've never heard of her or watched any of her races, or especially her Breeders' Cup Classic in 2009 when she beat the boys, Oh, you got to watch them because she's, she's just a cool mare and she's quite a character. But I did, I got to paint her as a life-sized canvas. Like I actually 
painted her dimensions life-size on a huge canvas. It was for a very specific event, uh, celebration of her at Churchill Downs in, I think it was 2011. So yeah, that was another huge thing. I got to go around with, you know, the energy and momentum of that image. We've made a poster. I got to go sign <clears throat> at Santa Anita racetrack out in California, meet her owners, you know, basically hobnob with all the, the fancy folk. <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah. So I have been very, very lucky. Yes, I, I kind of prepared myself by doing the work I did, you know, I did, you know, work hard and I practiced my art and my craft, but also really got lucky with some of those encounters that led to those connections that then led to a big boost in my career for sure. Yeah, well, something I failed to mention that you are also an illustrator of a child's book, D for Derby, but also you were uh, commissioned to do the 2022 and 2023 Woodford Reserve Derby commemorative bottles. Was that an honor? And what oh, yeah. was experience like i mean there's such heritage and horses and bourbon in kentucky for a kentucky girl was that a big honor for you oh yes absolutely <laughs> um as a kentucky girl you're right you know horses and bourbon are kind of well in basketball you know horses bourbon basketball <laughs> are kind of like the, the the great kind of trinity absolutely love bourbon culture and have always wanted to be you know on a bottle like have my artwork on a bottle and so when actually Woodford reached out to me and and that was like the biggest honor of all was that they you wow. know kind of knew knew about my work and actually reached out to me to to do the artwork for first the 22 2022 bottle and yes it was quite an experience I I knew it was a big deal, but I really, I was not prepared for quite the experience in that first year. Now, <laughs> last year I was kind of like, okay, I was like, I know what's coming, but you know, as the Woodford Derby artist, you get to go to all these cool things. You get to sign, do all these signing events with the master distillers. You get interviewed and you get, you know, you get so much advertising. It's huge. It's amazing what, you know, publicity you get just by being on that bottle. But I mean, it was just a blast. I had so much fun. Everybody at Woodford that I worked with was just really cool. I, I love the whole Woodford brand and their team was just really awesome. And like going to the Derby, being able to go to Churchill Downs during Derby week and go to the Brown Foreman Suite. Oh my gosh. I mean, oh. I was in heaven. Because, <laughs> you know, you just, you just, you definitely feel special. They, they made me feel very special, you know. So I, I will never, never forget those two bottle years. And of course, this year's bottle was Secretariat's 50th celebration. So that was another really cool kind of connection for me was that I got to participate in that celebration for Secretariat and connected with Woodford Reserve, I was like, wow, I just, I can't even imagine a better pairing than that, you know? So that was really special. And again, I got to kind of go around and 
you know, reconnect with, with Secretariat's connections, even though, you know, sadly, Penny Chenery, his owner, passed away a few years ago and was, you know, not able to be here. You just really felt her presence. She's such a cool, cool lady. And her, her daughters, her kids were, were part of the, you know, celebration at, at certain times. And uh, yeah, yeah. So short, long answer, but it was awesome. <laughs> it was cool. Could you have ever imagined growing up as a little girl in, in Stony Fork, Kentucky, that you would have gone and been in the in the atmospheres that you found yourself in the last few years? No, <laughs> no, I certainly <laughs> never dreamed of of those things as a kid. I mean, all I ever did was to to be around horses. You know? <laughs> in that pursuit, kind of led me to this. I really didn't have those. I didn't aspire to be some fabulous, you know, artist as a kid. I, I just wanted to be close to horses. And, you know, it just led me to the art. And, and you know, I think I really do credit growing up here with a, a, a kind of an, a, an, a special connection with nature. And I think that has in some ways fed my connection to the horse you know like just being here in this wild country where you're just you're seeing deer and elk and animals of all kinds and you just are more in tune with that world is that sort of the advice that you would give a, a little girl that's growing up in Appalachia that might have the, a dream of becoming Jamie Corum someday what would you tell them well, that's, that's a good question. You know, just never give up. Keep practicing what you love and, you know, put that as a priority. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it or you, you won't be able to make it. Now, I do think sometimes you have to go and seek out mentors. You have to go and seek a place that will help you learn uh, how to hone your craft, you know, because art, you can't really learn art in a vacuum. You really do have to go out and be challenged, be educated in art history and in the practice of art. So you can't just stay in a bubble, you know, and I do think in some ways that does require you to seek art training outside of Appalachia. You may not find it here, you know, just like I had to go to Louisville to be able to kind of get the horse, the horse riding experience that I, the exact type of horse riding that I wanted. Also, what I learned as a kid here was toughness, you know, just like kind of a resilience of not giving up. And I do love that about Appalachian culture is uh, just, we tend to be very stubborn. <laughs> in our pursuits and not let anybody tell us otherwise. And I do think that has helped me, you know, just a kind of a, pers a persistence and a stubbornness towards my goal. So I think, you know, listen to your own spirit telling you what to do. If, if you are someone who is interested in the arts and, you know, can't find that culture here, the nice thing about the internet is now you can find cultures online. 
and you can you can actually reach out and have these wonderful groups that you interact with and show your work to and get training from and you can take workshops online so definitely use your resources like you know the internet and the world that is right there at your fingertips while being right here in bell county yeah well well said for sure one of the questions that we always ask our guests is and i always am interested to hear the difference different answers but what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word appalachia um family i think family and home of course that's more than one word but but definitely family and and a sense of home and then like shortly thereafter is the beauty of it the land and its beauty to that point you know we ground our podcast on place and perspective We, we spoke about perspective earlier just uh, where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Home to me is this little patch of beautiful wilderness uh, on Highway 221. It's uh, We call it Meadow Branch, and that's where I grew up as a kid. And technically, it's a tree farm, but we really just kind of watch the trees grow. <laughs> we don't really, you know, ha- have Christmas trees or any, like, small trees. We just watch these these trees that have been growing on the hills for ever and just kind of help them mature through some timber stand improvement and trail building and stuff like that but but really yeah the home that is so special to me is is this farm specifically but when I have been back here in Bell County throughout my life as an adult and especially now since 2018 I've really come to just love the Bell County community at large and also Cumberland Gap and like I actually ride a horse I I found a riding stable right across the border in Virginia oh gosh I mean that that place is gorgeous and it's the people are so friendly and I don't know I'm just a huge fan of this area and I'm a big you know I promote it as much as I can to, to people and brag on it and I'm very proud to be from this area well, that's what we like to hear, um, <laughs> bragging on and, and bringing notice to that part of, of the country. That's what we always try to do on our podcast as well. I have a couple of quick questions for you, Jamie, if you're open to that. Sure. What is your favorite piece or what is what has been your favorite horse to draw? Oh, OK, OK, OK. That's that's a tough one, but I guess I would have to. I- I mean, it's probably cliche, but I would have to say Secretariat because he's so fresh in my mind and it was the year of Secretariat this year. One of my favorite pieces that I've ever done is the mural of Secretariat in Paris. Have you seen any pictures of that? It's it's really big. It's like three stories tall. I got to, yeah, I got to complete that last fall, 2022. And oh gosh, that was just such a fun experience. So both the experience of painting it and the finished product are probably I would say one of my favorite pieces I've ever done what's your favorite uh horse track or racetrack Ooh, Keeneland yeah Keeneland, for sure Keeneland it's so beautiful, beautiful right it, yeah it's just I just love going to Keeneland I love driving there because it's like surrounded by all the horse farms while you're even just driving the road Versailles road to get to it it's surrounded by such culture and it it just looks like you're in some timeless place like it could be 
you could be in another century. Like it looks so uh, beautiful and kind of like it might be from another era. And, you know, so it's, it's very kind of romantic in its, in its um, horse culture beauty. And I've just had so many good experiences there. So yeah, Keeneland and then, oh, Saratoga. I, I do also love the town and the, the racetrack at Saratoga in New York. Uh, it's, nice. it's a little bit like Keeneland in that it's it's got a huge history, like it's a historic place full of, you know, just amazing horse culture and great racing and people go there specifically for the racing. So that would be my second. What is your favorite bourbon? Oh, man, you can't ask me that. You can't ask me that. <laughs> I've got to say Woodford Reserve. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, let's see. Other than Woodford, let's see. Well, actually, Jeff, my fiance, is much more of a true bourbon aficionado. And he's got, what do you have, Weller Antique over there? Nice. Um, Eagle Rare. Any Blantons in the house? Blantons. You know what? We don't have. Okay, we do have Blantons, but we haven't opened it. It's it's too it's too pretty to open. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. That, oh yeah, that's right. I, okay, so I'm a huge old fashioned person. Like I I love a really well made old fashioned, and we just put Old Forester in it. It's delicious. Nice. So, what is your favorite spot in Eastern Kentucky? It could be a place, a restaurant, et cetera. But being there now, what's your favorite place to go or to be? Oh, gosh. Well, so we love Ike's. We love Ike's in Middlesbrough. I love Crater City Coffee, also right there on Cumberland Avenue. And if you just count Cumberland Gap as... Bell County adjacent. We love uh, 1919 over there. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in one more plug for the G spot in Cumberland Gap. Oh my God. I love their smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> cornbread or biscuits? Cornbread. Nice. That was quick. That was quick. I love no cornbread. hesitation. I grew up on my dad's cornbread and beans. So yeah, I love cornbread. What do you love most about Appalachian? Oh my gosh. Well, I think the beauty of it i mean like like well let's set aside the fact that my family's here and all that and all the the wonderful people but like just in terms of the place like the landscape i i just think it's the most beautiful place in the world the beauty of it is the thing i talk about the most probably when i when i'm telling other people about it i'm just like oh my god it's just gorgeous you have to come and see it you know you know, Appalachian meets world. We're not the Brown Foreman suite at the Derby, but we we really wanted to have you on to highlight you, to highlight your work, to gas you up, as we mentioned in the beginning of the episode. And so we want to thank you so much, Jamie. We've had hundreds of episodes. This might be one of my favorite. Maybe I'm a little biased. Um, but, and, and uh, you know, we being Kentucky boys, we also like the triad of Kentucky basketball, bourbon, and horses, maybe not in that order. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you do and inspiring, like Neil said, the little girls, the little boys of Eastern Kentucky, of all of Appalachia, but also just inspiring us all and representing Appalachia so well. 
Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It is quite an honor and hey, I mean, I feel I feel at home a little bit more than I did in the Brown Foreman suite. So thank you for making <laughs> me feel at home and, and so welcome. Thank you guys so much. For sure. Thanks so much for your time. Neil, Jamie, were you impressed? Man, was a what a talent. I mean, number one, I want her love, but number two, I guess I would have to have talent to have that live. But you know, it was. I, our, our listeners can't see where we interview these people from, Will, and I love the fact that we we do it and we see the visual. I think it creates a better conversation like we've talked about before. But the scene and the place that, that Jamie has has made home is just a beautiful, beautiful piece of country in Appalachia. And uh, what a great setting for an artist to, to do what she does. And... Uh, just talking about her artistic ability, like we already alluded to. I mean, I'm just in awe every time I see a, a piece of work that she's done. Yeah. I mean, she was very humbly dropping names and not just of the farms, not just of the trainers, but of the horses themselves. I mean, if you are from Kentucky and you truly like the horse industry, which most Kentuckians do, um, even just if you like the Derby on Derby Day for those two minutes, I mean, to hear the names Justified, Secretariat, all these horses that she's painted. I mean, these are living legends, literally living legends, rock stars in the game. And she is drawing them and meeting them and talking about them like it's nothing. I know. I know. I don't even think she realizes how how big it actually is. I mean, Obviously, she's very humble, but uh, I mean, some of the people that she's rubbed elbows with and horses that she's had the opportunity and pleasure to be around. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's definitely a, a life that I envy. And just the work that she's put in. I love the fact of how she talked about putting in, you know, those hours and hours of work to really just build her craft and and become a better artist and she like she said she's still not done becoming a better artist but she did have that those moments of where she knew you know that she was pretty good and i i would agree with that but i would say you know she's better than pretty good and and we're proud of uh, where she's from and what she has accomplished yeah for sure i appreciate her coming on the show like we like we mentioned already but uh, kudos to her, and I look forward to a lot more work coming from uh, from those hands. Yeah, so, Will, now that I've highlighted Jamie's kind of her business and where you can get more information from her, uh, why don't you – do you have a business of the week that you'd like to highlight for, for all of Appalachia? I do, Neil. I have a business of the week. Uh, since we just came out of National Farmers Market Week, you know, I mentioned that we weren't on last week. So we really couldn't talk about it in detail, but I think farmers markets and local farms are incredibly important for a large part of Appalachia, but especially those sections that are food deserts or just, you know, don't have access to those 
that local um, food sources. And one of the places that is trying to solve that is feed and seed. It it's really started to increase food security for all of South Carolinians. So its mission is through networks, programs, and facilities. It strives to improve the health and well-being of all citizens by increasing access to nourishing local foods and establishing a truly sustainable food system built on profitable farms and independent markets. So it really focuses on local farming, really focuses on farmers markets. And it it recently in 2022 opened the Innovation Hub in Greenville, South Carolina, the Appalachian part of South Carolina and upstate South Carolina. It's just a really cool organization, what they do, partnering with local farmers, with wholesalers, with organizations. They have this network where it brings food, brings access to food and really closes the gap uh, in regards to the process of getting foods to local communities. So it's really cool what they're doing. I just wanted to highlight them. We'll obviously put them in the show notes. You know, they're there to increase the food security, to support local farmers and to promote healthier lifestyles. And really the most important thing is to stimulate the local economy. And they're really doing that in South Carolina. I think it's a model that could be emulated throughout Appalachia. Their website is feedandseedsc.com. Thanks for giving them a shout out. Um, all kinds of new stuff coming out in Appalachia, new shows coming out, being dropped all the time. I mean, even shows that I'm interested in, Will. Yeah, speaking of, I wanted to mention this in the intro, but we'll mention it as we're late, as we're going out. But I know you watch quarterback. I know it's almost uh-huh. football season. And for uh-huh. you, that's the be- best time of year. Have you seen the untold Johnny football story? I know where you're going, Will. <laughs> Money Manziel, baby. Have you seen it? Football, you know I have. I binge watched it the first night it came out. Of course you did. I mean, I don't. There's probably not a football fan in the Southeastern Conference that hasn't watched that at this point. And I'm disappointed that you haven't seen it. It just really disappoints me in you. you I mean, you've got to sit down. I let my children watch it. Don't know if that was the best choice, but uh, maybe they can learn from Johnny and uh, not act like Johnny Manziel. But some of the stuff, I mean, there's a darn good reason why it's why it's titled Untold. Oh, wow. I mean, when he came on the scene, Johnny Manziel didn't even know how big he was. And once he figured it out, he really took advantage of it. Let's just say that. <laughs> So you're, you're 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 recommending. This is your second recommendation in almost as many episodes. It's going to be number one on Netflix. There's no question <laughs> in my mind. It's football so, season. I mean, these people are brilliant. Oh uh, well, I will check it out. Maybe I'll report and let you know what I think. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear from you about Untold next episode. Well, it sounds like Johnny Manziel is not someone to really be proud of if he was on your team or if he was in your life, but someone that we could be proud of and that you and I are extremely proud of because where is she from, where she represents, Miss Jamie Corum, who we had on the show. We want to thank her again, not only for the work that she does, 
in creating art, but just the representation of Appalachia, Bell County, how significant it is in regards to her work and how she represents that area. We just want to thank her for that. Thank you. Thank her for being on the show. I was humbled by her saying yes to being on the show because she truly is a rock star, as we mentioned multiple times. And we can't wait to see what else comes out of Jamie Corum's world. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it, Will. I guess since we are at that time, we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. I'm up in the mountains again I'm getting lighter, the air's getting thin Now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains